2: Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and Larry Dersham, my co-host, and I have a very interesting show for you tonight. And, you know, we normally think through what went on this week, what should we talk about, but I have to say, hands down, uh, we didn't have to really strategize what we were going to talk about tonight because we had one of the most unusual court rulings— Um, that I can remember related to an election and who is or isn't qualified to be on the ballot. So because we've got this unusual 4-3 ruling out of the Colorado Supreme Court that makes Trump uh, deemed ineligible for the White House under a provision of the U.S. Constitution that bars officials who have engaged in insurrection or rebellion from holding office. Now, Larry's our our constitutional scholar on the show, so I'm going to let him explain in a little more detail So basically, we are talking about a constitutional issue that bars officials who have engaged in, and check the language out, insurrection or rebellion from holding office. Larry, what is this all about? Right. Uh, The
3: 14th Amendment, uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, was basically uh, designed back in uh, post-Civil War uh, in the 1860 era. And I, actually, it was in 1868 uh, that it became uh, an amendment. And the purpose of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment was basically to keep the uh, the Confederates, the, the, the rebels, uh, off of the ballot or from having the ability to elect uh, members to Congress uh, that would... Uh, that had allegiance to the South. So that was the main purpose. It's it's rarely ever been used before. And uh, basically it says that no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress. Well, of course, Donald Trump is not running to be a senator nor a representative, nor shall uh, or elector for president or vice president. And so President Trump is not an elector And so uh, why is this applying? And also, uh, it it just does not even apply to him. And the fact that they would uh, try to persuade everybody that he was uh, guilty of an insurrection. Well, in uh, 2021, they had an impeachment um, uh, uh, procedure in Congress, and they determined that he was not guilty of insurrection when he just told the people to peacefully and patriotically uh, go down to the Capitol. And uh, so he's never been convicted of that. So there's a huge, huge, Wendy, uh, lack of due process by doing this.
2: You know, not only has he not been convicted, he hasn't been charged with it uh, criminally. So, Larry, one thing that's confusing to some people following this uh, online, on the news, is we know that civil cases are preponderance of the evidence. Criminal is proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, Other kinds of hybrid cases are clear and convincing evidence. What is the standard of proof here to prove that Donald Trump committed an insurrection? You mentioned he hasn't been convicted. He also hasn't been charged.
3: That's that's right, Wendy. Um, Yeah, this has never been tried before, uh, it's never really been, the Supreme Court has never really weighed in on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And one of the dangers of this, uh, would be that it's going to spread to other states. And already, uh, the state of Maine and California are considering using the Colorado opinion as the basis of removing Uh, former President Trump from the ballot, which would take away the right of the citizens to make a choice in voting. So it's, again, totally on its face. I think you don't have to be a constitutional scholar or or even a lawsuit or a paralegal to understand that on its very face, this is an uh, uh, unconstitutional move. And basically, in my opinion, the Colorado Supreme Court is just making this up. Had a whole cloth.
2: <laughs> well, what's interesting is obviously, you know, he the former president's team is appealing it to the US Supreme Court. But that same US Supreme Court also refused to hear quickly uh, one of the other claims surrounding the January sixth case. And I just wonder, given the potential of other states following suit or at least being emboldened to expand what they might see as an, an attempt to control who is arisen on the ballot, um, how might this impact moving forward? At least, you know, in terms of an appeal, how quickly the U.S. Supreme Court will agree to hear this? I mean, we are rolling into Super Tuesday as we speak.
3: Right. Well, they gave. Um the chance to appeal. They stayed their their opinion until I believe was January 4th of 2024, which is a very short fuse uh, for filing an appeal, especially with the U S Supreme court. And the reason for that is on January 5th, the following day is the last day that, that uh, Trump could be still be on the ballot. So if there's not a definitive decision issued by the Supreme court by January 4th, uh, President Trump will not be on that ballot. Now, what is really interesting to me, Wendy, is Vivek Ramaswamy, who's also a presidential candidate, criticized the court decision, threatening to withdraw from the Colorado GOP primary until President Trump is allowed on the ballot. But this, get this, Wendy, in response, the Colorado Republican Party wrote, on december 20th you know not that long ago on x you know formerly twitter it says vivek you won't have to uh, remove your name because we will withdraw from the primary as a party and convert to a pure caucus system if this bad decision is allowed to stand. So a primary, basically, Wendy, is a state-level election in which party members choose a candidate who will run in the general election, which we all know will be in November. On the other hand, a caucus system is basically a local meeting during which a party's registered members from a city, town, or county vote for their preferred candidate. So I think that would be a pretty cool workaround. If you're not going to allow him uh, to be on the ballot, if you're going to do this unconstitutional move that has never been tried before, and really, uh, you know, stretch the 14th Amendment to uh, areas that's never been stretched before, then we're going to go to a caucus system. And uh, this could really cause kind of chaos, because if other states try to follow suit and follow in the footsteps of Colorado, I can't imagine how this is going to turn out in 2024. They're basically out to get Trump, basically, and they're doing every way they can do it.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. I saw what the Republican Party in Colorado was proposing. It's really complicated trying to figure out what that would look like as a practical matter and how that would be implemented. Um, and it's probably even more interesting state to state who, the people differently. And here's something else. OK, so we're talking about uh, a ruling that impacts the primary. Uh, but there's this talk about that it might actually also impact the general election. And I think some of our listeners are thinking, how would that possibly work? And how would his absence, former President Trump's absence from the primary, impact his ability to be somehow still on the on the ballot for the general? Well
3: the way I look at it, if he's not on the ballot now, Colorado's probably going to vote for Biden anyhow. They're they're a democratic Basically exactly. controlled state, right. but uh, the fact that he would not be on the ballot would just indicate that he uh, probably a lot of Republicans, for example, won't even go bother to vote. They'll stay home, and that would give the opportunity for even uh, other types of elections where Republicans are running for office in Colorado. They will not get that benefit of the Trump being on the ballot. They'll just stay home, thereby you know putting um, basically all Democrats uh, into office in the state of Colorado and any other state that would try to copy that. But uh, it would just be such a, a, a bad precedent, and it would really take the kind of the wind out of the sails of the Trump campaign, I think, if they start removing him from the ballot and don't give him a chance. And it might have the effect—I'm uh, Just I'm just— uh, uh, hypothetically, it might have the effect of uh, elevating uh, Nikki Haley or Vivek or Ron DeSantis to become the de facto nominee because Trump has been removed. He's not even a choice anymore. Uh, so basically, they can shape the, uh, the design of the election. Who's going to win? And again, to me, this is just the, the, the biggest attack on our constitutional republic that has ever been tried, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and you know, Larry, it's interesting what you said about um, it would just elevate the other candidates. I, I, and I don't want to be, you know, too cynical, but I wasn't. I don't think Vivek is going to be the nominee. So, <laughs> when I wrote that, uh, when I read that he's going to be on the ballot, if Trump's not going to be on the ballot, I thought to myself, well, that's probably because he doesn't view himself as the likely nominee anyway. And by instead uh, standing in solidarity with Donald Trump, he may be angling more specifically. For maybe a cabinet position because he really hasn't been that critical of the former president, Larry.
3: Uh, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, he seems to be a, an ally of Trump, and he might that might that might be his strategy. But again, even Harvard Law Professor Emeritus Alan Dershowitz, who's a Democrat by the way and a liberal, calls the ruling a power grab that throws due process out the courthouse window. Uh, another quote: Jonathan Turley. Also a Democrat and a liberal, but a, a nice, fair-minded guy, in my opinion. He's from George Washington University. He's a law professor over there. He thinks the U.S. Supreme Court will likely strike down and put to rest conclusively the flawed theory of banning President Trump under the Fourteenth Amendment, and so he sees a kind of a, a silver lining in all this. That the Supreme Court weighs in before uh, the end of January fourth of twenty twenty-four, uh, it, it could be a, a good thing. It'll put to rest all these uh, attempts to t- remove Trump from the ballot. So it could actually be a good thing. So we're Here's out of
2: We'll keep an eye on this one, Larry. And we are getting ready for a great second half, so nobody touch that dial. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with the silver lining. We will be back in a flash.
1: News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.
4: Since 1991, the nonprofit National Law Center for Children and Families has been fighting to protect children from sexual exploitation. The National Law Center offers the latest investigative training techniques to police, probation officers, and prosecutors on fighting sexual predators and human traffickers. The NLC also offers human trafficking awareness training to members of the public. Schedule a training for your church or organization today by visiting NationalLawCenter.org. That's NationalLawCenter.org. It's time for more
1: news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick.
2: Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and Larry Dersham and I have a fantastic guest joining us for the second half of the show. Larry, who do we have on the line?
3: Rima LeBeau, MD, is a graduate of Albert Einstein College of Medicine, who believes passionately in the right of Americans to choose their own health paths. She has practiced drug-free natural medicine for 50 years by seeking the underlying cause of every illness and ailment and treating that root cause. Welcome to the show, Dr. Arima. It's so good to have you here.
5: Thank you. I'm just delighted. Thank you for asking me to be here.
2: Hey, thank you so much. It's so good to have you on the show. I understand you are a medical doctor how did you become an advocate for pulling the United States out of the United Nations? Well,
5: uh, I've always been a freedom advocate since I was 12 years old, and that's a long time because I'm 80 now. And um, I became aware of the fact that all of our freedoms globally, all of our health freedoms, all of our body autonomy, all of our informed consent rights were under concerted and very, very uh, well organized attack through the misnamed World Health Organizations, the United Nations, um, and other associated organizations. And then in 1992, every country in the world signed on to the Disastrous Agenda 21. Well, uh, about 10 years later, I had a patient in my private practice in New York State who was a head of state, And she informed me, and I quote, it's almost time for the great culling to begin. I said the culling, she said, of the useless eaters. I had never heard that term. And she informed me that most people, that is more than 90 percent of the then current world population, would be disposed of so that they, the neo-aristocrats, could have their short pyramid consisting of themselves at the top, the servants and servitors who would keep them comfortable below them, and below that their technicians. And I was duly horrified and thought, if this is true, I need to know about it. And it turned out this is exactly what the the predatory would-be world controllers, including the predatory philanthropists, the Rockefellers, the Gateses, the Soros of the last 150 years, have indeed in mind for themselves and for us. So in 2004, my husband, Major General Albert N. Stubblebine III, who was a brilliant strategic analyst, and I closed our practice and created the Natural Solutions Foundation specifically to derail the globalist agenda of depopulation and enslavement from the DNA out. Well, now with the gene-altering so-called vaccines, the gene therapy, mRNA, and vector DNA vaccines, they have the science that they've been waiting for. Uh, A paper came out two days ago in the scientific literature confirming what we have known for a while, which is that the mRNA and uh, the plasmid protein that shouldn't be there in those vaccines actually does get into and change human DNA. Well, that's very bad. So we simply have to stop it we have to get our countries as many countries as possible and let's just talk about the u.s. for a moment out of these organizations which were created to become a uh, dictatorial world government and created to bring about depopulation and enslavement so last week Uh, Senator Mike Lee from Utah and Representative Chip Roy from Texas introduced a pair of companion bills that are incredibly important. They're called the Disengage Entirely from the United Nations Debacle Act. That's H.R. 6645 and S. 3428. And it's our job, I figure, Dr. Wendy, it's our job as citizens, as human beings, as protectors of our own DNA and the future for our children to push the members of both the House and the Senate to pass those bills, but not only pass them, but actually pass them with a supermajority. So when the sock puppet in charge who sits in the Oval Office, whether it's Biden or whether it's Harris, it doesn't make any difference. When the sock puppet in charge vetoes those two acts, which is inevitable, then they can go back to the House and to the Senate and the uh, force of support will enable a two-thirds majority vote overriding the veto. And that will get us out of this hideous system, which not only wastes our money, but is bent on our destruction through every program that it engages in, despite the propaganda saying that it's about peace and health, it's not it's about death and destruction, and we need to get out.
3: Yeah, I was I was looking at the bill. I pulled it off of the uh, congress.gov website, and what's interesting to me— uh, Uh, Dr. Rima, is that it's bipartisan. There's a, uh, for example, Mike Rogers of uh, I believe he's from Alabama, uh, is a Mm -hmm. co-sponsor of this bill. And I would think this is, again, beyond politics. Basically, you know, a lot of the people in Congress, whether it's the Senate or the House of Representatives, like the power they have. Well, if they're to sign on to this United Nations uh, World Health Organization uh, platform, they're going to lose power. They're not going to be able to call the shots. So I would think that Everybody in, in Congress and the Senate should be support what you're trying to do, right? You just hit the nail on the head because what's going to happen, whether they
5: realize it or not, is that these um, uh, folks in the positions of well-paid power are going to lose control of the control. So we need to make it clear to them that, A, it's in their best interest to help pass these bills, co-sponsor and pass them, and B, it's in our interest. And if they ever want to have a vote again in a primary, if they ever want any public um, trust or position in any way, they must take our directive. S R three, four, I'm sorry, S three four two eight and H R six six four five are at this point our last opportunity, because by the time the 119th Congress comes in on January 3rd, 2025, the, I'm sorry, forgive me, when it comes in, yeah, that's right, on 2025, sorry, um, when it comes in after the end of this Congress, um, the other side will have been establishing their foothold so firmly that I don't think we're going to have another opportunity. They want us in 15-minute cities, which are urban concentration camps. They want to take away our cars. And our right to choose our food and our parental rights, and um, they want to eliminate the protected class of childhood, and the um, they want to normalize paedophilia. All of these things, by the way, that I'm saying, are not wild assertions. They are supported by strong documentation. And when you go to our website, preventgenocide2030.org, prevent genocide two zero three zero dot uh, org not only can you take action right on the home page with a couple of simple clicks you can send an email you can um, send a voice message you can send a tweet you can upload a video you can do lots of things to convince these members of Congress that you are in control and you want these bills passed um, but the other side is coming along very very strongly to cancel out all of that, and at the same time, I'm going to send that to voicemail. Another call coming in. Um, at the same time, their um, their quote seventeen sustainable development goals are actually total destruction of every aspect of society robed in really fancy, uh, shiny terms. So it's very deceptive and very
2: dangerous. And it's time for us to act. We can do this. You know, Dr. Riemann, as I'm listening to you talk, I I know that there's lots of people that have been wondering about these 15 minute cities and lack of cars and all the rest of it. What do you see as the most I guess, prevalent issues that are being pushed today, whether it's an agenda or a suggestion like everybody go electric. What do you see as the most insidious suggestions that we're actually already dealing with today?
5: Well, first of all, the most insidious uh, reality that they are bringing forward to us, and that's a very, very good question, Dr. Wendy. Most insidious issue is that they own our bodies. They can tell us what to do with our bodies. They can eliminate our legally guaranteed right of informed consent. They can modify our genes. They can make us part of the Internet of Bodies. They can transhumanize and transgenderize us as a step towards transhumanization so that the the core freedom for every human being throughout the history of humanity is who owns your body if someone else tells you what may and may not go into your body, what may and may not happen to your body, what uh, decisions uh, can be made about your physical and mental and emotional and spiritual reality, then you are a slave, even if you've been given uh, the illusion that you're free. So this enslavement of us from the DNA out, including the hypersexualization of our children through the comprehensive sexuality education, which is a we have their UN documents, the curricular documents, which say that parents should be taught to masturbate their children from birth, meaning that parents become pedophiles, that children have no safe people in their lives, Meaning that by the age of six, the child should be able to discern whether they want to have oral anal or sexual uh, or i'm sorry or genital uh sex with any person in their environment, this is complete destruction of the the psychosexual developmental pattern which serves humans to allow them to grow up and be independent, discerning, trusting mature individuals. These are techniques these are techniques learned. Uh, from uh, trauma-based mind control. Not a good thing. We need to stop it oh. at preventgenocide2030.org. All
2: right. Thank I was just going to ask you that. Dr. Rima, we're at the end of the show, but we want to thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we also want to um, wish you a wonderful Christmas holiday. What a, It's a blessing and to, to you. have you. And to our listeners, we want to wish also everybody a blessed Christmas holiday. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy, Headlines with the Silver Lining. My co-host Larry Dershman and I wish you the best, and God bless you and keep you this week. We'll see you next Saturday night.
4: Since 1991, the nonprofit National Law Center for Children and Families has been fighting to protect children from sexual exploitation. The National Law Center offers the latest investigative training techniques to police, probation officers, and prosecutors on fighting sexual predators and human traffickers. The NLC also offers human trafficking awareness training to members of the public. Schedule a training for your church or organization today by visiting nationallawcenter.org. That's nationallawcenter.org.